0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Before we uh, get started uh, this morning in our message, we have one very special announcement. I want to, to share with you what's going to be taking place for our Christmas services Of course, we are going to be having a Christmas Eve service on the 24th here in the sanctuary. We'll be meeting at 6 p.m., so that service starts at 6 p.m. We're going to be celebrating Christmas together. We'll be taking communion, and uh, uh, depending on how everything goes, we're going to hopefully have a, a candlelight uh, service, and you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we're, we're checking out our candles at the moment, amen? And so, and so it's, uh, it's, that's where that's at. But we're going to have a, a good time in the Lord and just rejoice in the birth of our Savior. Can you say amen? amen? And so that'll be on Christmas Eve. Now, on Christmas Day, which is Sunday, we are having a special service. And that special service will not be in the sanctuary. We are going to do a virtual service. And so we're going to be online only. You say, well, what's the deal with that? Well, we have a lot of volunteers and people that work and labor that, to pull off our services. And many of them have families and commitments and things going on on Christmas Day. So after much debate and talking about it, we came to the conclusion that what we would do is we would provide a virtual service where you can get online, and I'll be ministering on Christmas morning online, and you can watch it. If you would like, you say, well, I don't have a computer. I don't even own a TV. I'm not technological. Well, you can come and we'll be showing it on the big screen, amen? And that'll be at 10.30, right here in the sanctuary. And so we just want you uh, to know about that, what we're doing for Christmas, amen? amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 this morning. And I'm going to begin there with the, with the Word of God. And the Bible says this, it says, but you, O man of God... Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How many know this morning that faith is not passive? How many know that's to be true? Faith is aggressive. Can you say amen? Faith is active. And faith moves us in a direction. Can you say amen? In one way or another. How many know that you can have faith in the negative? Amen? We call it fear. That's fa- Fear is faith in the negative. And let me tell you, let me assure you, that fear will move you in a direction. Can you say amen? Amen. When you have faith in God and faith in his promises, faith in his word, it will move you in a direction. Can you say amen? Faith stands up and fights for what has been promised. And Jesus promised us life, didn't he? Jesus promised us eternal life. He promised that he would heal us of our deepest wounds in our souls. He, he said he would give us abundant life filled with power, with purpose, and significance. But he never promised that it would be easy, did he? He never came down <coughs> one time and looked at you and said, Hey, this is nothing. It's a piece of cake. In fact, Jesus often said, There's going to be some tribulation." He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. He said, in this life, there will be tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome this life, this world. I've overcome it. He did not ever sugarcoat it for us, did he? He never said that everything was going to be easy. But what he did say is everything is going to be good. What he did say is you're going to overcome. What he did say is if you'll fight the good fight of faith, that you will have victory. He says the reason that you can guarantee that is because I've already won. I've already secured the victory for you. All you have to do is by faith receive the victory that I have already provided. Now, what I want you to do this morning, because I want this message to really find its way into your everyday life. Can I, just, can I just talk about that for a moment? I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I've been thinking a lot about the Word of God, and, and in particular, how we live our lives. The Word of God was given to us so that it would affect our daily life. Can you say amen? Amen. The word of God is not just so that we can somehow get a ticket out of hell, that somehow we can avoid the difficulties and this and that, but the thing is is God gave us his word, showed us how life is meant to be. In fact, Jesus demonstrated perfect humanity. Jesus showed us what a man or a woman can do in right relationship with the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, in fact, greater things shall you do than I've done. Why? Because I go to my Father. And he says, I'm going to send my word. I'm going to give you my word. You're going to have everything you need. That's why this morning, church, it is so important that we embrace the word and apply it in daily life. Now let me give you a secret before we get deep into this message Let me give you a secret. You have to make a decision in the good moments of life to apply the word and not wait until things are falling apart. If you wait until things are falling apart before you decide to apply the word, you won't apply the word. If you can't apply the word in the good moments, you won't apply it in the bad moments. There has to be a moment in your life when you say, I am going to govern my life by this word. I'm going to govern what I say, what I feel by this word. I'm going to take what goes on in my life, and I'm going to stand it up to the mirror of the word of God, and then I'm going to make the adjustment necessary. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you that I, I, I wish this was... True about my life. I, I, I told my wife, it dawned on me, I got saved when I was seven years old. I remember getting saved. I remember my mom is the one, she walked me down to an altar. It was Christmas time, 1972. I was seven years old. She walked me down to an altar. She asked me if I would like to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said I would. She said, do you know what that means? And I recount, re, rehearsed to her what that meant and she prayed a sinner's prayer with me and from that point on in my life, I was saved. You know my testimony. I've never taken drugs. I've never drank. I never did any of those things and I lived a, a, a fairly uh, a Christian life most of my life, all, virtually all of my life. That's who I was. That's that's what it was. So this, this season right now is 50 years of salvation for me. I'm 57 years old and I've been saved 50 years. And so even in that, I come to a place where I haven't always applied the Word of God to my life. I've tried to muscle it through. Can you say amen? I've had my better ideas, I've, I've tried to figure things out, I've, I've tried to make a derivative of the word of God, in other words, I, I kind of added a little here and a little there and a little this and a little that, and, and thinking that somehow I knew better than God, and it never worked out, not one time, not once, but when I have taken the word of God, when I have said, this is what it is, I don't care what I see, this is what it is. I'm healed, period. I'm saved, period. I'm delivered, period. I'm a child of God, period. I don't care what I feel. My feelings will come and they'll go. My mood can change simply with a sandwich. So how is it that if my mood can change so easily with the introduction of a sandwich. Why would I take my life and govern my life by my mood? Right. It is going to be the most wild roller coaster you've ever experienced. So, what I have to do is I have to go back to something that is absolutely stable. And it's called the Word of God, and I've got to apply it. That means that I sit and I meditate and I say, you know, I've gone through this, I've gone through bad days. How many has ever had a bad day? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, a few of us. If you haven't raised your hand, your bad day's on its way. It's coming. You say, what do you mean? Into every life a little sludge will fall. That's just life. Okay? And so somewhere along the line... I have said, you know what, I'm going to encounter another bad day. I'm going to encounter another day where I don't feel right. I'm going to encounter another day where I don't feel good about being saved. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. But in those moments, I'm going to make a decision to trust what I know in the Word of God rather than what I feel at the moment. It's when I do that that my life begins to change. And that's what we have to do with the message I'm about to preach. This message is entitled, Pressing into Faith. And I want you to look at the words that Paul uses here to exhort Timothy. He says words like this, flee, pursue, fight, lay a hold of. These words imply opposition, danger, and warfare. Paul even said, To us in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, We struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in high places. What he's telling us is this life is a battle. Christianity, church, is a street fight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It always has been, and it always will be. And Paul told Timothy... I want you to fight the good fight of faith. Now, before we go even into that, take this for a moment. It's a fight. Say that with me. It's a fight. Okay, it's a fight. Why are we so amazed when we have to fight through faith? Why does that catch us off guard? It's like, man, I'm just man. I'm just really fighting. Good. Praise God. You are following the word of God, man. It's been a battle. Thank you, Jesus. Why does that? Why are we so stunned? And okay, let me ask. Let's get it out of your realm. Why am I so stunned? Why am I so dumbfounded? Huh? Oh, it's a battle. God's like, I told you. I didn't. I. I wasn't bashful when I told you. It's a fight. Paul tells Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And let me say this, this battle, for the most part, is fought in the confines of our mind. And the reason it is, is because it's a wrestling match with the lies, the doubts, the thoughts, the feelings that hell sows into our lives. We grapple with the decisions to trust God, and believe what he said is true, or do we we just surrender to the path of least resistance and accept what our natural mind can understand? Are you hearing me? That's a grappling. Why? Because oftentimes, our natural mind will grab a hold of evidence that is real. Man, I got a pain in my knee. Man, i got a pain in my knee, oh. But you're healed. No, it hurts, but you're healed. No, 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 I'm, my knee's, so I'm, not, I'm not healed, it hurts. No, the word of God overrides every other truth. I don't care how clear it looks. The word of God says you're healed. It says, oh, you want me to live in denial? No, never said to live in denial. I simply said that there is a higher truth. I simply said that there is something that is greater than the pain in your knee and it's called the healing of your body because that is based not in what you can do or a doctor can do, but what Jesus did on the cross. Can you say amen to that? So we grapple. Do I trust God in what he said or do I just allow my natural mind to have control? And what happens is we get stuck in that moment, don't we? You need to understand this morning that this is the persistent fight of faith. And when we fight, trust me, we will move into victory that has already been secured for us. See, there's something to be said for faith that neither gets bogged down in the present nor anchors itself in the past, but looks forward to the future. Isn't that the problem? Is we either get bogged down in with right now, it's like what's going on right now, or we get stuck somewhere and anchored in the past rather than understanding that there is hope for the future. See, forward-facing faith, it peers into tomorrow and it catches a glimpse of a promise fulfilled. See, faith looks forward, doesn't it? And it says, God is going to manifest this in my life. I may not know when, and I may not know how, but I know he will. And I know that this is what Paul is talking about in his text. See, fighting the good fight of faith is possessing a faith that refuses to believe that our best is behind us. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about getting older, and I'm not certainly not the ancient of days by any stretch, but I am aware of the fact that there is more behind me than there is in front of me. Yeah. Amen. Right. I was thinking about it the other day. I was, at, I was looking at Zillow online. I was looking at my house, seeing how much my house was worth. And I went, man, I could refinance my house and get some money. And then I was thinking, a 30 year loan. I'll be 87 when that baby's paid off. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, there's, we're just about to the place where a 30 year loan is not going to be done in my lifetime. I remember the first house I got, 30 years, nothing. I'll be in my 40s, I'll, I'll nothing. I just, what, no, not 40s, 50s. I'd have been ten buying a house, <laughs> but the reality is, we don't get stuck in that past, and we don't we refuse to believe that the best is behind us. But there's more in front of us. Possessing a faith that refuses to accept that our present circumstances are as good as they get. I've had people actually say, why can't you just be happy with what you got? I am. I'm very thankful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have given me. Thank you for all that you have done. But you are a God of more. You are a God of more than enough. You're not a God of just enough. You're not a God of not enough. You're a God that says there's more. There's more. There's more of him. There's more that he has for me. He has a plan. Can you say amen to that? This is the kind of faith that we have to press into. There's a verse of scripture that has, for years, always caught my attention, and I've really never quite understood it, but I spent some time the last couple weeks, and I actually rewrote this Part of the sermon this week. Last week, I was going to preach this sermon last week, but as you know, I was feeling a little under the weather and wasn't able to do that, and so here I am today. So last week, I, I studied a little more and rewrote this part because uh, I went deeper into it. But there's a verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that says, For the days of John, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And historically, this verse has been very difficult to interpret and really understand. And ultimately, if you spend time chasing this around a while, you'll find that there are many different theories of what this means, and and really all of them are good. But there is one idea about this verse, uh, one interpretation of this verse that caught my eye. And that's this, is that the kingdom of God confronts the realities of this life in a way that will forcibly overcome them. He says the kingdom of God suffers violence. That word violence, it it literally means that it is a forward-moving force that is overcoming and overwhelming. Isn't that just like the kingdom of God? that the kingdom of God will forcefully overcome these situations and those who are confident in it will grab a hold of it. In the book of Daniel, it says the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. And then in the book of Isaiah, it says he will give strength to those who turn the battle To the gate. This is who we are. And it is backed up, this this idea that we're talking about is backed up by the companion verse in Luke 16, 16 that says, the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Jesus declares the advance of the kingdom of God or the advancing of the kingdom of God is the result of two things. One is preaching. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't do You are a preacher. You can declare the word of God. What I'm doing behind this pulpit is declaring to you the word of God. Amen. That's preaching. And then pressing into it. And we press in by faith. Remember, (coughs) faith is an aggressive force by which we lay a hold of the promises of God. And this kind of faith refuses to be constrained within the limits of what can be seen and understood in the present moment. It refuses to define tomorrow in terms of today's abilities or inabilities. It sees the future not through the lens of the present, but through the lens of promise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's this kind of faith that releases the promises of God. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. I want you to think about the idea in practical life of pressing in to faith. You remember blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10? Apparently he had heard that Jesus was healing the sick, that he had opened blind eyes. Because the day that Jesus came by, what did blind Bartimaeus do? Did he just sit there and wait for his turn? Did he just say, hey, it's okay, I don't, I don't really want to disturb the man of God? No. Did he say, well, you know, I just, I'm just. i not sure. You know, I know he wants to heal all those folks, but I don't know if he wants to heal me. Did he say that? No, no, no. He cried out. He said, Jesus, Jesus. He's calling out. And then when the people around him said, shut up, man, be quiet. This is an important man of God. He's a pretty special rabbi. We don't we don't you know, you're you you you're a beggar. Who are you? Keep your mouth shut. When the people tried to shut him down, what did he do? He cried all the louder. I wonder sometimes if if the reason that we don't receive the the, the promise that we're believing for is cuz we just give up. We just stop crying. Jesus told us about the, the woman who constantly bugged the judge. And finally the judge said, you know what, I'm going to just do what you say just to get you out of my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up already. Go be done. Oh. How about the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon-possessed She comes to Jesus and said, Would you please heal my daughter? And Jesus says nothing. He basically ignores her. And then when he finally does say something to her, he tells her, she says, he he goes, Am I gonna give the bread of the children's bread to dogs? He calls her a dog. Pastor Jesus in a counseling session, Howie, you, you come to Pastor Jesus and he looks at you and goes, You know what your problem is? You're just a dog. I, man, I, I, don't know, I don't know if that's found in counseling books. I, I, you know, and when he was counseling Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus was pretty direct. That, that I, usually, you, usually, I, gotta, I usually got to be a lot nicer. I don't know. I think I might be going to try Jesus' tactics. I'm going to just see. You devil, you dog, you devil dog. Isn't there a road called Devil Dog Road? You, you go live on that road. <laughs> this is what Jesus is doing. But she is not deterred. She don't care. Call me all that you want. I know you're the man with the answer, and I need what you got, and so does my daughter. And she goes, even the dogs. Okay, fine, I'm a dog. I'll get the crumbs under the table. And Jesus sees the press of her faith. He goes, your faith? So moved me and her daughter was healed how about Jairus with his daughter think about this Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue I mean he, this is a guy that has taken his reputation and basically just threw it out the window so I don't care I care about my little girl sometimes you just gotta throw your reputation out the window I don't care I don't care what you think about me anymore. I need him. And he pressed in. And she was healed. How about the centurion? He says, I'm not even worthy that you should come to my house. But I don't, just send a word. And he pressed in. And my favorite, (coughs) my favorite story is the woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8, verse 45 and 46, you remember she comes and she presses through, and then Jesus says, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, "Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng you and press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. For 12 years, this woman has suffered She has exhausted all her money. Probably all her friends are drifted away. I'm certain family is distant. The doctors have given up hope. And her life is destroyed. Yet in the midst of all of this, this woman's desperation presses into faith. She presses in. So we need to see, what, what does that press really look like? Well, the first thing she did was made a decision. She made a decision. She came up with a plan. I think too often people are indecisive. We're just kind of wishy-washy. It's like, well, I, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll go, maybe, I don't know. I I I don't know. I I don't even know what to think. Should I... Should I go get prayed for? Should I believe God? Should I, should I, you know, trust? I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I'm really, I just, I don't know what to think. Last time it didn't. You're, whoop, 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 last time, I don't care what happened last time. Amen. Well, my neighbor, they prayed negative. I don't care what happened to your neighbor. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't be. She said, "Look, I got a problem, and no one has an answer. I'm going to go to Jesus." And what did she do? She pressed in. She made a decision. And then she became determined. Didn't she? She was determined to see it through. To see it through. See, somewhere there has to be every decision has to be followed up by some discipline. If you don't follow your decisions with some discipline, your decisions will never last. We have to do something about it. Can you say amen? And then she made a declaration. Look at Mark 5, 28. It says, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. In the King James, it says, if I touch the hem of his garment. Why is that so significant? Because any first century Jewish person would know that the prophecy of the Messiah was that healing was in his wings. And on the robe of every rabbi was a fringe called the wings. And she knew that if I could just touch that, I will be healed. She made a declaration. When I get to church, I'm getting healed. When they lay hands on me, I'm getting healed. When I get anointed, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to speak this word, and it's going to come to pass. But what if it don't? What if it does? If it don't, keep speaking. If it does, rejoice. Then she faced the obstacles. She pressed on. See, one of the greatest obstacles I think that we face, that we face, hers, was the crowd. She had to press through that crowd because everybody wanted to get a hold of Jesus that day. They all wanted to see the guy that was healing, the guy that was, you know, dividing fish and bread and feeding thousands with a loaf of bread everybody wanted to see this guy her problem is she had to get through the crowd our problem is time is time if there's anything that i think is the greatest enemy to faith in the modern day is time because in time we find lots of other options <clears throat> what happens is time passes and we go, well, that's not working, so I'm gonna try this. That's not working, so I'm gonna try this. We do this and we do this and we do this. And I'm not saying those other things aren't good to try. I'm not saying they're bad things, they're not. But what I'm saying is you cannot divide your faith. You have to stay focused. And the obstacle that we face is time, and we have to press through. But what do we do? How do we strengthen our faith in the hours of delay? Number one, don't quit. In Exodus 17, verse 12, it says, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. The one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You know the story. As long as Moses had his hands up, the, the children of Israel were winning the battle. But the moment his hands drooped, the battle turned the other way. So Aaron and Hur saw this and they came alongside and they lifted his hands. They helped him. and kept. They said, we're, we're not quitting here. We're staying. Amen. It wasn't that Moses wasn't the man. He was the man. And it wasn't that Moses didn't get tired, he did. But he had partners that came alongside and lifted his hands and helped him keep those hands up because he didn't want him to quit. So what helps our faith? What lifts the hands of our faith? Well, let me tell you. It's patience and thanksgiving. Those are the guys that help lift the hands of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Amen. Patience is a partner of faith. Amen. Learning to joyfully endure. To enjoyfully, to endure with a good attitude. I was looking that up. That word patience there means endurance, but it doesn't just mean this. Okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, No, it means endurance with a good attitude. It means that we, we say, you know, okay, God, I know that I gotta I gotta put some time in here and it's gonna be okay. And in John six, eleven it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and then passed them out to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate until they were full. Do you notice that Jesus, before the miracle took place, is he's thanking God. So patience and thanksgiving hold the hands of faith so the battle can be won. And finally, she touched him. She touched the hem of his garment and immediately power flowed. And it's interesting as I close this sermon to pay attention to this because Jesus says, who touched me? And that is strange because it was no ordinary touch. It wasn't a touch that came as a result of pushing and shoving and clamoring. It was a touch that came And caused virtue to flow. See, the disciples, (coughs) they had no idea what was going on. And they look at Jesus stunned when he says, Who touched me? And he's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everyone is touching you. How are we going to identify the one? What do you mean? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Jesus. Look at everybody's clamoring, and Jesus says, no, somebody has touched me. They reached beyond my clothes. They they reached beyond my flesh. Someone has touched me. They reached beyond religion, or liturgy, or curiosity, or the ordinary. With desperate faith, they reached, and they touched the power of God. That day, she touched Jesus, the healer. She touched Jehovah Rapha. There's an interesting translation. You can't hardly find it now. You can find a version of it, but there was a version of the Bible that was published in the 1800s called the 20th Century Bible. There's there's actually a version. It was called the 20th, 20th Century New Testament, but it's been changed a little bit but this old 1800s era translation of the verse we read says this Jesus said someone has touched me and they said master the multitude press thee and crush thee but he answered he said no someone has made a demand on my ability and the question this morning is is every one of us today if we were to go around the room if I were to look every one of us have something that we're fighting through there's something that we're wrestling with in our faith and the question is have you touched him see there was a lot of people that touched Jesus' clothes that day but there was only one person that touched the healer and what was the difference it was the faith that said I'm not giving up I'm not giving up if I got to touch him 5,000 times I'm going to touch him 5,000 times. He said, I can be healed, and that's what I believe. I'm going to be healed. I am in position healed. In reality, I will see it. I'm healed. I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm provided for. I, I have an answer to my question. My marriage is whole. My children are saved. My job is secure. My future is exactly what it needs to be. I'm going to press in. It's pressing into our faith. Can you say amen? amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Father, there are days we really do struggle. We wrestle. Because, Lord, we don't always see how we would like to see. Sometimes the evidence in the in the contrary is so large that it works against us sometimes lord but lord we're not going to pay attention to that we make a decision right now to turn our view and our eyes back to you and your word and we stand faithfully on that and lord we will press in we will allow the kingdom to aggressively overwhelm anything in our life that's not of you. And Father, we will grab a hold of it and make it our own. And Father, we love you today. We praise you. I wonder if every, as every head is clouded and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Savior. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never had your sins forgiven that you know of. So that That's me, Pastor. I'd like to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand up all across this place? Amen. Praise God. Amen, I see that hand. Amen. Praise God. Would you all pray with me? Would you say this out loud with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins that you would be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life, and I receive yours in return. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come find their place up front. If you raised your hand or or maybe you didn't, you say, I still would like to. Come on up. Let them pray with you. If you need a prayer for healing or anything else, come on up. Let them pray for you. The rest of us, let's just stand right now. We're going to release you and let you go. God bless you guys. You have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. We'll see you next week.